Welcome to the South Coast Christian Podcast. I'm Pastor Tom Westerfield. On behalf of myself and our entire staff, we want to thank you for listening, and we hope this message uplifts and encourages you this week. Uh, today we're starting in our, we're continuing in our series in the book of Acts. Uh, we've been in it for a number of weeks. We're actually going to wrap it up here in the next two or three weeks. And uh, but I hope, have you guys enjoyed the book of Acts as we've been walking through this? Um, really, our theme is about serving Christ together. And uh, the, whole, the whole book of Acts is when Jesus was ascended into heaven, he gave us a mission. And I believe that mission applies to each and every one of us today. He said, go and make disciples of all nations, baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We are on a mission. As people who are followers of Jesus Christ, we have a mission to bring light into the darkness. It's to, to help bring awareness to people that there is something more than just this earthly life. We serve a heavenly Father who is the creator of the heavens and the earth. And you can find relationship with your heavenly Father through Jesus Christ. That's our mission. That's our purpose. That's our goal. So last week, we looked at Acts chapter 17 and we examined the, mission, or the message that Paul shared to the Greek philosophers. If you remember what I shared, he was walking through this temple and he saw all of these different shrines that represented all the thousands of gods that they worshipped there. And then he found this one shrine that said, if you haven't heard the message, I encourage you to listen to it from last week. He sees this one shrine that has a, a, a label on it that says, to the unknown God. And the apostle Paul talks to these Greek philosophers and he says, you know what? That is the God I am speaking about to you. It's the unknown God. You don't even, you're ignorantly worshiping the God who is the creator of the heavens and the earth. That's the God I want you to have a relationship with you. All the other gods that you might be worshiping, guess what? They're worthless. This is the one true God. And he says it a little bit kinder than I do, but he goes after it. And he talks to them about the one true God. Um, this is all taking place in Paul's second missionary journey. Uh, Paul had three missionary journeys, some think it's four, whatever it is, three or four missionary journeys, and we're on the second one. And that second missionary journey lasted about three years. And I'm going to briefly highlight, we're going to take some, we're going to do a fast course here. We're going to briefly highlight the next two chapters of 18 and 19, and then we're going to land in chapter 20. But I encourage you to take time to read chapters 18 and 19. After Paul shared the gospel in Athens, and that's to the Greek philosophers, he went to Corinth. In Corinth, Paul met a wonderful couple named Aquila and Priscilla, and they were tent makers. And I don't know if you know this, but the apostle Paul was a tent maker. So he made tents during the day and preached at night. He was a, he was, he was a co-laborer with Aquila and Priscilla. They really became close friends, and they were spreading the good news of the gospel. Paul spent about 18 months in Corinth sharing the good news, and then he sailed to Syria and Aquila and Priscilla accompanied him. And then Paul continued this, his second missionary journey by preaching in Ephesus, where we get the book of Ephesians. He wrote the book of Ephesians to the uh, church in Ephesus. Jerusalem, Antioch, Galatia, where we get the book of Galatians, and, and Phrygia. At the end of chapter 18, we see a new evangelist that emerges, and his name is Apollos. And Apollos was a studier of God's word. And I love this part of the story, and you can read it for yourself as well. But Apollos was an evangelist by nature, but he only understood the baptism of repentance that John the Baptist had, did, had done. And he really hadn't really come into the fulfillment of the baptism of Jesus Christ, and, or, nor the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And Aquila and Priscilla, 
They take the time to show Apollos, hey, this is the, there's more to the gospel than you understand. And they basically mentor him, and, and he becomes a great evangelist for the gospel. And the thing that I see in this part of the story, which I really love, is that you start seeing the leadership of the church. Because we're the church, right? You start seeing the leadership of the church in Paul's day, all of a sudden it starts to grow. It's not long, not, no longer just the Apostle Paul, but now he has Aquilus and Priscillus. He had Silas, he has Timothy. And then all of a sudden Aquilus and Priscillus are actually mentoring Apollos. And you see how these numbers just to start to grow and the church is spreading. That's what our heart here is as well, is that we continue to grow in Christ. Amen? Amen. As we enter into chapter 19 of Acts, you are now reading about the Apostle Paul's third missionary journey. And Paul returned to many of the churches that he had established in his first and second uh, missionary journeys. Paul spends a significant amount of time in Ephesus, approximately two years, where he, taught, where he te- preaches boldly about Jesus Christ. And during this time, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit falls on Ephesus. It is basically revival time in Ephesus. And this was not a, a group that really knew Christ. They were, there was a lot of sorcerers. There was a lot of evil things in Ephesus. But the power of God was outpouring. You can read it for yourself. In fact, this is the time where in Scripture it talks about the anointing of the, on the Apostle Paul was so heavy that he could literally pray just over a cloth over a hanky. And they would take that to a person who was sick and they would, they would touch that and be healed. I mean, that's crazy stuff right there. I mean, the power of God was moving. In fact, it was moving so strongly that all of a sudden the the people of Ephesus, they started feeling like, you know, uh, uh, wrong for what they had been doing. And a lot of them were sorcerers. They had these sorcery books. And it says in Scripture that they started a bonfire. I kind of imagine bonfires throughout the city where they brought their sorcery books and they started throwing them into the fire, saying, you know what, I, we are no longer attached to this. And they burned their sorcery books and they were making a choice to serve uh, Jesus Christ. There was a revival taking place in Ephesus. Yeah, hallelujah, amen. We need a revival in America, amen? amen. But once again, as we, read, as we continue to read through the book of Acts, once again, the move of God is taking place, and all of a sudden, persecution begins again. And a riot breaks out in Ephesus, and it was really stirred by a man who was a silversmith named Demetrius. And he started, up the, uh, he started a stirring up with the different craftsmen of Ephesus. And let me share what's going on at this point. Demetrius Polite provided the silver to these craftsmen. These craftsmen were actually making these idols that these people were worshiping. So... Follow along. All of a sudden, Paul comes through preaching the good news of Jesus Christ. People are being set free from their idols. They're being set free from all these things. Guess what? All of a sudden, these craftsmen don't have any idols to make because no one's buying them. All of a sudden, the silversmith has no one to sell his silver to because no one's making the idols. Because Paul is, the move of God, a sovereign move of God is happening through Ephesus. And it's affected the economy of Ephesus. See, everything's great until you touch my money. You start touching my money, whoa, 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 let's change it, hang on here. It's why we give, it's why I give, it's why I choose, because I never want money to be, if you're making a decision in your life solely on money, watch out. Never make a decision solely on money. You make a decision 
on what God is speaking into your life. So these guys are making a decision now because guess what? Their pocketbook is being touched. A riot breaks out. Eventually the whole thing settles down. They start to get past all of that whole direction. And then Paul ends up moving on on his travels. But Ephesus has still been touched by the power of God. But Paul is coming to the end of his missionary journey. And after he visits several more places, Paul wants to turn, return to Jerusalem in time for the festival of Pentecost. And I kind of believe that the Apostle Paul knows that his travels are coming to, the, to an end. At least his missionary journeys to Asia Minor is coming to an end. In fact, in verse 23 of chapter 20, Paul shares how the Holy Spirit was preparing him from, from city to city. It was keep on preparing him that he would soon be arrested. And it takes place, we know, in Jerusalem. And then he was, found himself in prison in Rome. On his rush to Jerusalem, now remember, the Apostle Paul, because we're going to get to our story, just hang with me for a second. On his rush to Jerusalem, because he wants to go be a part of this festival, uh, the, the Feast of Pentecost. And I think he knows it might be his last one that he gets to enjoy in Jerusalem. And so he's, he's sailing there, and on his rush to that whole process... He, he, he's sailing past Ephesus. Now remember, Ephesus is the one that just had the move of God. Have you ever traveled before and you, all of a sudden you arrive at a place that's nearby a friend or a relative and, and you, you, oh, you want to stop by and say hi and you want to visit, but you know if you stop for too long, they're going to try to hold you back. They're going to want to keep you. They want to, oh, can you spend a couple nights just hang? And you know you don't have the time to do all that. This is where the Apostle Paul finds himself. He would love to go to Ephesus and, and hang out with some of the people that made decisions to follow Christ. But he knows if he tries to do that, that he won't make it into to Jerusalem in time uh, for, the, for the festival of Pentecost. So instead of going to Ephesus, he sends a message to the elders of Ephesus, inviting them to meet him at another town called Miletus, which was a coastal city where Paul's ship had docked. When the elders of Ephesus got a message to meet him there, they went. And Paul gives them a final message. It's kind of a farewell message. It's kind of a message of goodbye. And that's the message that I want us to lean into today. It's a message from the heart of a shepherd. It's from the heart of someone who has given his life to the gospel. And we're going to start reading in uh, chapter 20 of Acts, verse 18. We're going to read several verses. And I want you to think about it. As I read this passage of scripture, Paul's given his life to the ministry. He has sacrificed so much, and it's all to bring people to, to the understanding and the knowledge of the love of God and of Jesus Christ. And so he's been given all this, and this is his final words to these elders in Ephesus, starting verse 18. When they arrived, he declared, you know that from the day I set foot in the province of Asia until now, I have done the Lord's work humbly. And with many tears, I have endured the trials that came to me from the plots of the, uh, of the Jews. I never shrank back from telling you what you needed to hear, either publicly or in your homes. I have had, I have had one message for Jews and Greeks alike, the necessity of repenting from sin and turning to God and of having faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. And now I am bound by the Spirit to go to Jerusalem. I don't know what awaits me, except that the Holy Spirit tells me in city after city that jail and suffering lie ahead. But my life is worth nothing to me unless I use it 
for finishing the work assigned me by the Lord Jesus. The work of telling others of the good news about the wonderful grace of God. And now I know that none of you to whom I have preached the kingdom will ever see me again. I declare today that I have been faithful. If anyone suffers eternal death, it's not my fault. For I didn't shrink from declaring all that God wants you to know. So guard yourselves and God's people. Feed, the, feed and shepherd God's flock, his church, purchased with his own blood, over which the Holy Spirit has appointed you as leaders. He's handing off the baton. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word today. We thank you that your word uh, is our revelation, Lord God. It's not new revelation. It's been written, it's been, but it's many times by the Holy, power of the Holy Spirit, it becomes new revelation to each and every one of us. And I pray that happens to us today. That it's not just words on a page, but God, that your word will come alive to us and change us, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Paul shares this message from his heart. It sounds like a parent who worries for their children. If you, you know, as a parent, as you, as you continue, your children continue to grow up, you want the best for your children, right? How many want the worst for their children? Don't raise your hands, don't do it. No, we want the best for our children, right? And so as we grow older, as we, as we I can imagine as a, a person who's passing on, you know, they're, they're just, man, I'm moving on from this life. Man, I want you to succeed. I want you to be successful. I'm praying for you. It's your, it's your turn, man. You need to take the baton and run hard with it. And this is what the Apostle Paul is doing uh, for these elders there in Ephesus. I have done all I can do. It's now up to you to be faithful and fight the good fight. From this passage of Scripture I would like to give you three questions to ponder. I, would, I encourage you to write down these three questions. The first question is this. What's your purpose? Paul understood the meaning or the goal of his life. He knew his calling in his life. Remember, Paul, had a, a, he was a, a tradesman. He was creating, making tents. He was a tent maker. But the driving force behind all that Paul did was to complete the tasks that Jesus had given him. It was a specific calling to share the good news of Jesus Christ to everyone that he met. He wanted to be light in the darkness. I believe every one of us has this mission. We, all, we are all called to be uh, uh, examples of Jesus wherever we go. It doesn't matter if you're at school. It doesn't matter if you're at work. Uh, it doesn't matter with your, as a parent, you're going to be an example of Jesus to your kids. Or as a, a grandparent, you're going to be an example uh, of Jesus to your grandkids. And whatever the situation is, we are to model Christ's likeness. We are to be light in the darkness. We're to give a glimmer of hope for those who are feeling hopeless. Notice that the Apostle Paul refers to his purpose as a race. And if you think about life, isn't life a lot like a race? Not, not like a sprint, but isn't it like a race like, that you have with a road map that you have, you're trying to get through this race? The Iditarod is a famous dog sled race up in Alaska, and it goes from Anchorage to Nome, and it's, it travels close to 1,000 miles the race can last, the, the quickest it's ever been ran is eight days, the longest it's ran is 20 days. And in that race, they can, they can, man, there's all kinds of different things that can happen. They can have good weather, they can have bad weather. Uh, the passageways could be, you know, filled with much heavier snow or not. And, and there's a lot of different things that, troubles or difficulties that come their way during this race. 
But here's the thing. It doesn't matter if the weather is good or bad. It doesn't matter if the, if the pathway is clear or not. That what, all that matters is that they finish the race. That's, that's what they've been assigned to do. Some of them have given their life to finish that race or to try to finish the race. A marathon is another type of race that most of us are familiar with. How many have watched the marathons uh, on the Olympics? Have any watched that? The one guy, at like mile 19, I can't remember his name, from Kenya. He took off. He left everybody. He was like a, a, a minute and a half or two minutes ahead of anybody else. I mean, he, he just was gone. It always impresses me. I can't run a mile and I'm done. I mean, I was just like, I pre- someone that can run 26.2 miles in t- little over two hours, crazy. People from all over the world have aspirations to run a marathon. They train and develop their bodies and, as, for the opportunity to run that race. I want to share a little bit of a story with you today, uh, illustration. It's interesting to know, and some of you might not know this, that the marathon race was inspired by a runner named uh, Phidippides who was born in 530 B.C. The legend states that Phidippides was a messenger who was sent from Marathon, Greece, to Sparta to ask for help against the Persian ships who had just docked near a port of theirs, and they were about ready to attack them. So Phidippides was sent on this, this trip, 150 miles by foot, one way, took him two days, He ran there to ask the Spartans to come and to help them fight against the Persians. He got there, explained their situation. Then he ran again back another 150 miles. When the Spartans didn't come, they chose not to help them. The Athenian soldiers mounted an attack against the Persians and miraculously, because they weren't expected to win, they won. The Athenian general then sent Phidippides, this, this courier, the guy that was running these messages, he says, carry this message uh, from, they were at Marathon, carry this back to Athens and, and re- report to the uh, magistrates who were, who were in council. Was, think of it like Congress. They were in council. He says, give them this message. Report to them what has taken place, that we're winning the battle. So when Phidippides arrived, he said to the magistrates with his final breath, joy to you, we've won. And then he died. It's kind of a crazy legend, but he finished his mission with his very last breath. And it reminds me of who the Apostle Paul is. He was given a mission by Jesus, and he went on his mission, and he was going to finish it no matter what. And even to his last breath, he was preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. Paul faced numerous difficulties and persecutions along the way. But his goal was to finish the race that God had given him. Which brings me back to the question that I started. What's your purpose? As Christians, our specific purpose goes beyond ourselves. Our purpose is to find in God God who created us. That's where we need to find our purposes in God. Catch this thought. Purpose. (laughs) Yes, catch this thought. Purpose will only have meaning when we are fulfilling what God created us to do. You can try to find purpose in all types of different things, but you'll never find true meaning until you find your purpose in what God is wanting you to do in your life. 
Paul writes this in Ephesians 2.10. He says, for we are God's masterpiece. He created us anew in Christ Jesus. So what we can do good things, or in some translations, good works, that he planned for us long ago. The Greek word that's translated there, good things or good works, really means a, a worker that accomplishes something. We know we are called to love God with all of our heart. Amen? Do you love God with all your heart? Yeah, that's what we're called to do. We know we are called to love others with God's love. Sometimes we can't even do it with our own love. We just got to do it with God's love. A little secret there. We know this is true because it's in God's word. God's word tells us, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and soul, and love your neighbor as yourself. It's in God's word. But what other purpose or mission has God called you to do? What has God created you to be? Not only as a light, that's our, name, that's our number one purpose is to be a light to everyone. But what else has God created you to do? To be a loving spouse or a loving parent? To be a great friend that people can count on? To be a business owner who models integrity? To be an athlete who displays God's strength? To be a contractor who builds with excellence and quality? To be a medical worker maybe who serves the physical needs of others? To be a teacher who brings education along with the very love of God? Whatever God has called you to do, the Bible says that we're to do with what? Part of our strength? We're to do with all of our strength. In fact, the Bible says that we're to do it as we are serving the Lord himself. We're to do it with all of our strength. Remember what Paul said in verse 24. My life is worth nothing unless I use it for finishing the work assigned to me by the Lord. This brings me to the second question today. So what's your purpose? Second question, how's your aim? The NIV translates verses 24 by saying, my only aim is to finish the race. That's what the Apostle Paul says. Paul's sights were on finishing what God had assigned for him to do. How's your aim? Are you doing what God has purposed you to do? Are you finishing the race that God has put before you? Are you accomplishing everything that God has set before you? When I was in Vegas, I lived in Vegas, my family did for seven years. <clears throat> and when I was there, don't judge me on this. When I was there, I decided I wanted to get uh, my concealed weapons permit. So I went through a safety gun training course and that whole direction. And, and uh, one of the days, uh, we went down to the actual place where you shoot targets and the gun range. And I went down there and... Uh, I discovered, I really didn't have much experience with handguns at all, and I discovered very quickly that I wasn't very good at shooting. I was missing the target by quite a ways. And I couldn't figure out everybody else, you know, was doing good. And you know how it's men, you know, when all of a sudden we're not doing, it's like, oh, why can't I do better? And, and so I'm trying to do, do this, and it's not working. All of a sudden the instructor walks by, and he's looking at me, and he goes, um, let me see you do it again. And he goes, hang on, I think... He goes, you're right-handed, um, close your left eye. So I closed my left eye. I started, all of a sudden I'm hitting the target, boom, 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 boom. He goes, you know what? He said, you're left eye dominant. He said, that's what's throwing you off. He said, you're right-handed, but you're left eye dominant. And because you have your left eye open, it's throwing, the, it's throwing your sights off and you're not hitting the target. You're never going to hit the target unless you close your left eye when you're shooting. I said, got it. Boom. And all of a sudden, now my alignment is on. I'm hitting the target. Everything's going well. And, and it reminded me spiritually, am I on target? Am I on aim? Are my sights aligned? See, it wasn't until I closed my left eye that I was back on target. 
As followers of Jesus, we should consistently evaluate that we are still on target. Is our purpose in place? That we haven't strayed away from believing the truth or from sharing God's truth. Look again at verse 26, at what Paul says that we read earlier. I declare to you today that I have been faithful. If anyone suffers eternal death, it's not my fault. For I didn't shrink from declaring all that God wants you to know. You see, Paul's aim was on target. He didn't allow himself to be led away from the truth. He, said, he put his feet, planted them straight, and he remained on target, focused towards his purpose, focused towards his goal. He wasn't going to stray away from that. Paul's ministry spanned over 30 years. He spent 11 years of that on his three missionary journeys. And he suffered greatly in those 34 years. Paul was in prison three different times. Five different times Paul received 39 lashes. Three times Paul was beaten with rods. One time he was stoned and left for dead. Three times he was shipwrecked on his journeys. One time he was left 24 hours out to the sea. One time bitten by a poisonous snake on the island of Malta. Multiple times he was hungry and, and thirsty and often gone without sleep. He was under constant threat of danger from those who hated him. Sounds like a great life, doesn't it? And yet he remained faithful. Through all the difficulties of his life, he remained on target. I, I'm going to share something. I didn't share this in the first service. I just feel like it's important for me. We have to remember something for all of us who are followers of Christ here today. We have to stay on target. It doesn't matter what difficulties we might face. It doesn't matter if COVID is going through our country and through the world right now. I get it. I understand it. I'm not one of those guys that says it's not real. I know it's real. I know the Delta variant's out there. and I get all of that. But Paul went through, what, shipwrecks and beatings and all the different, and he remained on target with the sharing the gospel. You and me, we have to remain on target no matter what difficulties that come our direction. We're going to still display the love of God to people who need God's love. Amen? We're still going to display God's forgiveness through Jesus Christ to those who need it. We cannot become complacent. We can all of a sudden just fall asleep. We have to still continue to do the good work that God has put into our heart to do. We need to stay on purpose. We need to stay on target. We need to fulfill the mission. We need to cross the finish line. That's our calling. Pastor Tom, why are you so passionate about this? Because on my drive to church today with my wife, I'm sitting there and saying, I just feel my heart, I'm complacent. I feel like something's missing spiritually. We need to push on the gas pedal. People need Jesus. What are we doing to get across the finish line? We're doing parent a church in Los Angeles. I'm so excited about that. I shared that last week. We're going to take it on. We're going to go parent. We're going to launch another church. Not our church. We're just going to be a force behind that church to make it successful. It's not about me. It's not about us. It's about God. Do you know what I'm saying? But whatever we can do, if it's about bringing missions to people who don't know Jesus, we're going to continue to do that. Because we need to stay in our purpose. And it doesn't matter what's taking place around us. Let's stay focused. Let's be the church. Amen? Through all the difficulties, Paul never lost sight of the target. Paul writes to the church in Ephesus, 
Most likely he was imprisoned in Rome during this, this time. And he writes these, these words, Ephesians 1.18. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you. Wow. Paul's desire is for everyone to find their hope in Jesus Christ. He wanted them to clearly see the opportunity that was before them and not to lose sight of the goal. It reminds me of my alignment when I was shooting. I was having a hard time hitting the target until I closed my one eye. Let me ask you the question. What aligns us to the target? What gets us across the finish line? At times, guess what? We need to close one eye to the things that keep on distracting us from away from God. We need to say no to certain things so I can stay on purpose and target so I do cross the finish line. Amen. Your pastor's preaching to himself today. Come on, girl. I believe the way we align our life, catch this, because that's like a gun. And if you're against guns, that's fine. I'm not trying to, I just was an illustration. But a gun can get off target. You've got to line the sights for it to get back onto target. There's times in our life we need to realign our sights to make sure that we're still on target. And I believe that we, the way that we do that is through faith. Say it with me, faith. Hebrews 11 says, faith is the assurance of things hoped for. In Paul's goodbye to the elders of Ephesus, he declares these words. He says, I have been faithful. I have been faithful. I haven't, I haven't wandered off. I've been faithful. I continue to be faithful. See, God is looking for faithfulness in his people. Faithfulness keeps us aligned for his purpose. When we are faithful, then we can know that we are on target. That we're, we're doing the purpose that God has called us to do. Jesus told his disciples, in Matthew 24, he says, but the one who endures to the end, the one who endures to the end will be saved. Endurance is a part of that faithfulness. It's choosing to persevere even in difficult times. It's not allowing difficulties or troubles or whatever come your way where you shrink back from allowing God to continue to have his purpose in his life. No, we continue to push forward. Stay on target. In verse 28, Paul warns the elders of Ephesus, because think about this. He's leaving. He's, it, it, we know it was the Holy Spirit that birthed the church. But God used him in that process. He used the Apostle Paul. Now he knows that this might be his last time to see these people of Ephesus. And he's leaving. And he feels it in his spirit. He warns the elders of Ephesus. He says, so guard yourselves in God's people. Guard them from what? Verse 29 says, from false teachings, from false teachers people who try to distort the truth, people who try to take the flock a different direction, people who all of a sudden start preaching something but Jesus Christ. No, no, stay on target. Faithfulness is learning to remain true, is not wavering from God's truth. The last thing, the final question I give to you today. What's your purpose? How's your aim? Where's your finish line? Where's your finish line? In verse 24, Paul considered his life Catch this, the great Apostle Paul. Think of everything that he had done. And he says, I consider my life worth nothing unless he finishes the race. What has God put in your heart to finish? Listen to Paul's words in Philippians chapter 4, verse 13. He says, I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us. The ultimate prize in each and every one of our lives is eternity with God in heaven. 
It's to be with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And the goal uh, is to bring as many people with us. Let me catch this. The goal is to bring as many people with us as we can across that finish line. How sad would it be to cross the finish line by yourself? No family members, none of your friends, none of your co-workers. I love the, I love the sh- different times when all of a sudden someone falls in a race. And then someone filled with compassion, they just stop, giving up the race for themselves. I, I see this as Apostle Paul, the, in the Apostle Paul. Give up the race. Hey, 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 let me help you. Picks them up and they start running together to finish the race. You see, we're on a race together. We're going to finish. This is the part of the Apostle Paul. I want you to be with me when I cross that finish line. I want you to see when Jesus says, well done, thy good and faithful servant. Enter into the kingdom of heaven. I want, to rec- I want to recognize you when you're in heaven. I want to say, this is my friend. This is my brother. This is my sister. This is my mom. You're following along. The ultimate prize is heaven. It's to bring as many people as we can with us. It's to testify about the good news of God's wonderful grace. Later in Paul's life, when he was imprisoned in Rome, and he knows that his earthly life was near to be finished, Paul writes to Timothy, who he had been mentoring for a number of years. He writes these famous words that maybe you've heard before. I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, and I have remained faithful. And now the prize awaits me, the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the, judge, the righteous judge, will give me on that day of his return. And the prize is not just for me, but for all who eagerly look forward to his appearing. What a great testimony of Paul's life. A life of faithfulness. I love that verse 8 where he talks about it's not just for me. It's for all of us who are eagerly awaiting God's return. Remain faithful. For Paul, his faithfulness towards Jesus was more important than life itself. It really was. He didn't really care a whole lot about his life. What he really cared about was the faithfulness because he knew his faithfulness would turn into other lives joining him in crossing the finish line. It should be our stance as well as followers of Christ because it's only through our faith in Jesus that we can receive this wonderful gift of grace that brings us to the ultimate line, finish line of eternal life with Jesus. And I want to share this one truth as we, we're closing. Because the keyboard's playing. You know we're closing. It's true. It doesn't matter what life has dealt you already. It doesn't matter the difficulties you've already gone through. It doesn't matter if you feel like a failure today. It doesn't matter if you feel like you're unworthy. The only thing that matters in your life is your faithfulness to Jesus Christ. Is that your heart is set on target to the wonderful grace of Jesus. Because understand this truth, and this is the truth. You're never going to cross the finish line without Jesus. If Jesus ain't with you, you're not crossing the finish line. 
Because the only way that you can cross the finish line is through His righteousness. And the way that we gain the righteousness of Christ is through our faith in Him. All we have to do is to believe. Jesus is like the person. All of a sudden, He sees a person who has fallen down. He's like, come on. Come on. I'll help you across the finish line. Don't worry. I got you. Just walk in my grace. Be faithful to me. Watch. We'll get through this together. But you're never going to make it unless you keep your eyes on Jesus. Man, your hand should be in his hand. Your eyes should be set upon him all every day. Your hope needs to be in him and him alone. Because he's the one that will bring you across. It's his wonderful grace. And this is what Paul is talking to the church of Ephesus. I don't want to be there alone. I want you to be with me. Come and join me. Be faithful. Guys, it's your, it's your opportunity now. I'm passing the baton to you. You are the elders. Man, be faithful. Bring as many people as you can. Today as your pastor, I share that. I want to see every one of you with me in heaven. I will be extremely disappointed if you're not there with me. Kind of like, I feel almost like Paul sometimes says that, what is my life worth if I have it? And that's how you should feel when you all of a sudden you're sharing with your family or your friend. My life is about bringing people to Jesus. That's what Paul's life was all about, was his faithfulness to that. He kept his eyes on target. He never strayed away. He remained faithful. And that's my calling for you today. Lord, we thank you for your word today. Whew. Your word is powerful. It's effective. It's challenging. And I pray today, God, that each and every one of us will take this calling, this, this goodbye that Paul gives to these elders in Ephesus. I pray, God, that that will ring true in our hearts as well. That, Lord God, that we will take on the baton. We'll run the race. We'll keep our eyes, our, our purpose on you. And we want to finish the race, God. So we pray for greater strength in our lives a greater desire to follow you than ever before. And God, we pray for the power of your Holy Spirit. We pray for the power of your Holy Spirit to fill us, Lord God, in a new and a fresh way so that we don't do it through our own strength. Apostle Paul said when he was weak, then he recognized his strength because his strength was in you. Let us recognize, Lord God, that our strength is in you. Every head bowed, eyes closed for just a second watching us online, man, I just encourage you to bow your head, close your eyes for one second. I want to say a prayer over each and every one of us today. Maybe you're here today and you just, maybe you've never had the purpose. Maybe you've never accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior. The Word of God says all you have to do is believe in your heart and call upon His name, Jesus Christ. Ask for, your, ask for the forgiveness of your sins and you shall be saved. But maybe you're here today and you just realize maybe you strayed away from your purpose a little bit. And you need to get back on target. You need to have your eyes focused. And you, you just want, Pastor, I need prayer for that. And today I want to pray a prayer for all of us today, me included. And if that's you, I want you just to believe in your heart right now. And when I pray this, receive in your heart with faith. Lord God, I pray over our, these people, myself today, followers of you, 
For those who maybe are not, I pray, God, right now, as I pray, they'll invite your presence into their lives in Jesus' name. For those who maybe feel like they've strayed off course, God, bring us back into alignment. Help us to close our eye to those things that are keeping us off course and help us to open our eye, Lord God, to the things of you. Lead us and guide us by the power of your Holy Spirit. Help us to do what is right, Lord God, before you. I pray, God, that righteousness, your righteousness be set before us. And let us, Lord God, each and every one of us, let us cross the finish line, not alone, Lord God, but I pray with a group of followers, Lord God, who are all following after you. I ask it in Jesus' wonderful name. And everyone said, amen. God good? He is faithful. He is faithful. Thanks for listening to the South Coast Christian Podcast. We appreciate those who give on a regular basis to South Coast because through your giving, we are able to provide these resources. For more information about South Coast, including service times and ways to give, please visit southcoastchristian.com. And if you haven't already, please subscribe to this podcast. Thanks again, and may this week be filled with new opportunities where you can receive and share God's love.